The following program is sponsored by Second Adam Ministries, and the opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the staff, management, or advertisers of this station. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Good evening and welcome to the Sons of Adam. My name is Leif Moy, and I'll be here for the next two hours talking about what's on my mind and hearing from you about what is on your mind. In 1987, I think it was sometime around there, I had a good friend of mine uh, tell me that there was this brand new talk show host on the radio that uh, not only did he play uh, cool music for Bump, uh, but he actually held to conservative um, values. He was actually a guy that was pro-life and uh, didn't believe that it was the government's job to take care of us. And his name, even to this day, his name is Rush Limbaugh. So what is that? 1987, 23 years ago, I tuned my dial to Rush Limbaugh. And uh, I haven't been an avid listener over the years. I certainly have been a listener. And uh, th- there's a part of the program that is entertaining. I think it was funnier in the old days when he did his, his uh, feminazi updates and, and uh, his uh, updates on the uh, environmentalist wackos and, and some of the different things that he did on the program. Uh, but what I, what I found very interesting over the uh, years that I listened to Limbaugh, um, it seemed that a majority of his listeners, especially those who uh, followed his uh, political position and his political beliefs, uh, they seemed to have something in common, and that was uh, at, at least a, a Judeo-Christian ethic or value. Uh, they believed that at the core of this country— um, it was based upon some values that were consistent with that of uh, a biblical understanding of not only who our Creator is, but therefore the rights that have been endowed to us as, as children from this Father, God, Creator, whatever you want to say. And uh, I got very involved in politics. I, in, in many ways, uh, believed that uh, you know, it was our job as Christians to get involved in politics and to do the best that we could to uh, to change culture. Um, then as the years went on, I went through another transformation whereby uh, because I saw the abuse of that. Um, really, what I saw was a, a, a social gospel. I saw that the church was replacing the gospel of Christ with a conservative political worldview. And it wasn't so much about Jesus as much as it was about creating a Christian nation, so-called. But it wasn't doing it in the name of Christ. It was simply doing it in the name of some type of ethics uh, that uh, we all needed to believe in and to adhere to. And so, as a result, I, I moved kind of away from politics and the role of the church in regards to uh 
how we should get involved or should we even get involved um, <clears throat> in, our, uh, in our political system. I've moved then since from that point to a place where I'm at today, and I'm kind of wondering, you know, as, as a Christian man who lives in a country where I have the right to vote, I have the freedom to vote, um, I have the opportunity to participate in the political process, uh, I can uh, be active in different um, organizations and groups to see social change as well as uh, uh, political change. Um, if although living in Seattle, which is a very liberal left leaning area, I have to be honest with you. I don't think I can remember uh, the last person that I voted for that actually won an election, <laughs> which is kind of a bummer because it, in one sense, it feels like I'm just wasting time uh, because, you know, no matter uh, who the candidate is. If he has an R after his name, if he's Republican or an independent or has, uh, you know, is pro-life, uh, there's no way they're going to get elected, at least on the, the western side of the mountains. For those of you from the East Coast or the Midwest or wherever you happen to be listening, uh, the state of Washington is kind of divided in half by a mountain range called the Cascades. And on the, uh, the left side, which would be the west side, uh, it's very liberal um, very progressive. On the right side, you have a lot of farmers, and it's much more conservative. Uh, and when the two meet, it seems that the largest metropolis areas, such as Seattle, Tacoma, Everett, Bellevue, um, th they tend to win, at least when it comes to state-run offices. And so nobody I vote for ever wins, and uh, it kind of sucks. But um, tonight, I have in studio with me two guys— uh, Jonathan Gundry and Chris Comas, and uh, I was at the debate earlier this afternoon, uh, really raising the question, uh, should the church work to establish a Christian nation? Is that our role? That when Christ, um, you know, his last words, right before he ascended into heaven, uh, when he was really kind of laying out to his disciples uh, what he wanted them to do after he left, uh, he said that, that he, he, he gave what was called the Great Commission, and it's that they are to go into all the nations, proclaiming the gospel, baptizing them in, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, and that as they did this, to have the confidence to know that all authority that is in heaven and on earth was given to him, was given to Jesus, and then he was therefore saying to his guys, now I want you to go, and I want you to go in the authority uh, that I give you. And the question is, is, was Christ calling us to establish his kingdom here on earth? Or is it something different than that? Is it more of on an individual basis that we are to establish God's kingdom, which is more of a spiritual thing rather than, uh, you know, uh, a, a political thing, an economic thing um, that has uh, the power and the authority to control culture, to create culture, uh, to administer the laws that uh, you would find within Scripture, um, going back to the Ten Commandments, and therefore all of the laws that come with uh, uh, the Pentateuch, basically, um, and that, that we as the church have the authority of God to establish those laws here on earth, and that that's really what Jesus has called us to do. 
I don't know if I buy that. I don't know. I, I don't see that ever happening. Um, it is my eschatological view that things are just going to get worse and worse and worse. And people are going to f- go further and further from God. And he's going to return and make everything better. That may be a fatalistic view. It's certainly a simplistic view. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's kind of where I stand on this whole issue. Although I fully believe that it is our responsibility as as just citizens of this country, but beyond that, um, as we are called to be the the light to this world, and we're called to be salt to this world, that as we live our life, as we walk every day in our life, we are to share the gospel of Christ, and as a result, lives will be changed. And I believe if lives are changed, then families will be changed, and if families are changed, communities will be changed, and if communities are changed, then culture will be changed. But it is not our mandate, I don't believe, to go out and to establish uh, a Christian government or a Christian nation. I have in studio one who does hold that position, and we're going to be hearing from him tonight. And I have another gentleman who holds to more of a two-kingdom perspective, right. and we're going to be hearing from him as well. The uh, phone numbers are 1-800-955-8200. That's one 800 955 8200. One of the questions that I really want to look at tonight is if it is even possible, which I don't think it is, for someone who is truly, well, I shouldn't say this. Um, Go ahead anyway. <laughs> someone who is truly uh, saved, who is truly in love with Jesus, who is um, willing to stand on that and not to be embarrassed about that and believes that Christ is the only way for that person ever to get elected to office except if he, unless he comes from some part maybe in the south or maybe in Idaho or maybe some other part of the country but for a national election to, for someone like that to win I don't know I just don't see it happening but I I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. (laughs) The phone numbers are 1-800-955-8200. That's 1-800-955-8200. Where do you you stand on this? You know, uh, we're getting ready to uh, have a huge election coming up this year. Um, Potentially, Congress and Senate can be taken away from the Democrats, and we can have more of a balance of power. Uh, we've got a president that, for a lot of us, is doing things in the progressive movement that we're finding is just way out there, way beyond what we even thought he would do. Uh, should we fight and stand to take back our government? The phone number is 1-800-955-8200. You're listening to Sons of Adam. We'll be right back. Don't go away. This heavyweight bout is about to begin. The challenger wears white trunks with a blue stripe, and the champ is wearing... Uh, looks like an examination gown from the doctor's office. And from the back, we can... Ooh, that's not pretty. Champ, what's with the crazy getup? I've got to take care of my family. Yeah, so? Well, when you love your family, you got to go in and get those important medical screenings. A lot of potentially deadly diseases can be treated if you catch them in time. So you wear the examination gown because... Because I'm a real man. Real men take care of their families and get those tests. Real men wear gowns. Okay, champ, good luck. 
Here we go. The champ's not wasting any time. Oh, it's over. This fight is over. Champ, you barely broke a sweat. Any words for your fans out there? Remember, go to ahrq.gov for a list of the tests they need to get and when to get them. What was that web address again? ahrq.gov. And remember, real men wear gowns. Go to ahrq.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AHRQ, and the Ad Council. She was a fighter, and not even the onslaught of birth defects devastating her heart, lungs, and other vital organs could stop her from clutching onto life for one precious half hour. It wasn't long, but it was long enough for her family to hold her close and tell her many, many times how so very much she was loved. On September 28, 2008, Kevin and Sherry Bloomberg welcomed their firstborn child, Tessa Joy, into the world. They were both unemployed and could not afford the cost of a simple granite marker to honor the life that so profoundly touched theirs. And then they heard about the Tears Foundation. They applied for assistance and were quickly granted $500 from Tears to buy their daughter a grave marker. I'm Sherry Bloomberg, and because of the Tears Foundation, Tessa Joy has a permanent reminder that she lived and mattered and will always be remembered. Please visit thetearsfoundation.org. Tears can't take away the pain of losing a newborn, but they can make it a little more bearable. Visit thetearsfoundation.org. Thank you. This is Hugh Hewitt for townhall.com. President Obama's astonishing budget proposal for next year sets out a $1.6 trillion deficit. This massive amount of red ink threatens to give America a fiscal stroke, causing a currency crisis of the sort we have never seen before. Not only is the budget deficit enormous, so are Obama's massive proposed tax hikes, including a proposal to, one, radically reduce the charitable tax deduction, and two, radically reduce the mortgage interest deduction. Both proposals are direct attacks on basic American traditions of supporting church and charity and of owning your own home. They are truly radical and would, if enacted, have a direct impact on our giving patterns and on home ownership. The budget proposed by President Obama shows he has learned nothing from the election of Scott Brown in Massachusetts. The president remains very far to the left of the American center, pursuing radical policies that must be defeated now, even as his congressional allies must be defeated in November. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Uh, welcome back. Phone number is 1-800-955-8200. Gentlemen, I want to hear from you tonight, you know. We're called to be the uh, heads of our home and uh, to be the leaders. What does that look like um, as far as uh, your Christian faith? Does it go beyond your home? Does it go beyond your church? Uh, are you called as a believer to take your faith out into the streets, into the community, into, you know, the economy, into your business, into politics um, in hopes that we can make this a better world, right? I mean, that's that. I think that's the ultimate goal uh, is to create a, a safer, more loving, caring, beautiful world. Uh, and uh, I just don't know if it's possible. I, I, I certainly think that's a good thing for us to work towards. But whether it's going to happen or not, I don't see it happening. Phone number is 1-800-955-8200. That's 1-800-955-8200. It's toll-free. Uh, we will pick up the uh, the dime to call in. Uh, if you get a chance, uh, Monday night, um, Sylvester Stallone, I think, has produced this uh, Ali. Uh, it's a program where uh, he's gone back and interviewed many of the fighters that uh, Muhammad Ali faced over his career. And I'm really looking forward to hearing George Foreman 
because I know that for Foreman, when he lost to Ali and Zaire in 1973, that was like one of the, the most crushing things that had ever happened in his life. And you have this guy who was the uh, you know, world champion, undefeated world champion, heavyweight boxer in the world, and he, was crumbled. he, he crumbled after that. He went through uh, multiple years of depression, didn't talk to anybody. I don't know if he's ever even given an interview about the fight that he's had with Ollie. I mean, he, George Foreman's obviously done great. He, he, he made a grill, and it cooks <laughs> yeah. great hamburgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Providence, we got the grill, huh? Yeah, he's That's made right. a ton of money, and he's done very, very well over the years. But uh, that fight, he never fought again. That was it. George Foreman never got into the ring again. Well, that's not true. I, I take that back. He did way later in his career. I think he was in his 40s or something like that and weighed about 350 pounds, and he came back in and, and kind of rumbled around a little bit. But uh, Didn't it, get whooped up on. Yeah, he, he, he did get whooped up on. <laughs> so, anyways, I think that's Monday night, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about that maybe next weekend. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking about doing a show on what is it about men – like, um, you know, Braveheart, like William Wallace, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, the general in the gladiator, Russell Crowe. What is it about men like that that we are not only intrigued by, but many of us as guys are, are drawn to? And in, in, in particular, because of what happened here in Seattle this week, uh, we had a 15-year-old girl who was almost she could have been killed she was beaten up in right in the public in our 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 subway system our public uh, bus uh, underground fiasco and there were three very large security guards who stood there and watched and did nothing nothing and i want to look at the just the, the dichotomy between you know this idea that if we get involved somehow we're going to get hurt or it's not worth it, we're afraid, versus we have this, this fascination with tough men. I mean, the movie 300, when it came out, guys were going nuts over that because here you had a man who was a real man. He was willing to die not only for his country but for his friends, and everybody there was willing to do like, likewise. So a little uh, digression, but we'll get back to the topic. So I'm going to start with uh, Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo. Uh, you're going to be Mo tonight, and you're going to mm. be Meanie. How's that? <laughs> I prefer Mo. Yeah. I think uh, they own a band, is, the Simpsons. Uh, this is Jonathan Gundry. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's a, he's a, he's a Briton. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And uh, you are from uh, ICI Fellowship, and your website is kingandservant.com. That's my podcast, and you can find out more about uh, my ministry in South Florida through iciministries.org. So there's two websites there, the podcast, okay. kingandservant.com, and iciministry.org. Directed Very to, good. Well, to I want to welcome you to the studio tonight, and uh, you know, you just flew up from Florida. Right. That's right. Yeah. Just got through. Yes. There's been a had a debate this afternoon, and you know, we're going to continue that on now. So, uh, real quickly, give us your position. Right. I took the uh, the con position to the to the debate subject, which which is should we build a Christian nation or should we seek to establish a Christian Christian nation? And I was arguing that we shouldn't. Because there's no such thing. It's a myth. And I'm not just saying that experientially or pragmatically that uh, we can look at our society round about us and see that the hopes of having such a nation is um, wishful thinking. I think that's also tr- true and also the case. But more importantly, scripturally, 
do we have any grounds from the New Testament to expect nations to be Christianized? And I was arguing in the composition, saying, no, we shouldn't have that expectation because Scripture does not give us that expectation. But rather what we have in Scripture is two kingdoms. We have the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. And the kingdom of God, according to New Testament revelation, is limited to the church through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And there's many verses that affirm this. Luke 17, the kingdom of God is within you. Romans 14, the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but rather righteousness, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. There's countless verses that you can appeal to uh, that uh, preserve the purity of the church and keep the boundaries of the kingdom limited to the church in the present age. So when you uh, see a verse such as the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. when Christ you know, told us this is how to pray, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you would say that's more a spiritual thing and not a practical thing? Well, you look at the Lord's Prayer itself. It's about forgiving one another. It's about God's kingdom being advanced, finding contentment in the things that we have, asking only for our daily bread. It really doesn't carry any verses within it. Not the last time I read it. Mm. That speaks of thy kingdom come, our institutions, you know, be Christianized, have all the the bells and, and whistles, if you will, of the Christian kingdom. We just don't see that in the Lord's Prayer. But what we do see is individuals being conformed to the image of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel. That's what we see from Genesis to Revelation, right. but in particular in the New Testament Revelation. Well, one of the questions I want to ask you, and uh, in particular because of where you're from, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit later on the program, so I want you to give some time to think about this, is uh, your country, um, and really much of white European countries, but but England in particular, uh, was very successful in its colonialization mm-hmm. of advancing and spreading not only its power and authority throughout the world, uh, but in many ways, you know, I think that there was, in some sense, they believed that they were establishing God's kingdom here on earth. Yeah, I think that was uh, a consensus amongst many of those men and women who uh, had that ideology at the time. But obviously, when you go to the scripture, I right. think I think that it's flawed. Yeah. Well, I think I think you see that in particular when they you know when they went into different areas, mm-hmm. Africa, uh, Australia, uh, India, uh, Pakistan, um, wherever it was that they 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 colonized. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first things that they did was send missionaries, and uh, along with that, they they worked very diligent to change the pagan behaviors, the pagan rituals, the pagan beliefs of those areas. So it wasn't just going in to take the resources. It was to build a Christian nation out of those particular areas. Right, where it became like ethical legislation or to make Christian values the norm in any given society that they went into. So if they went into a culture that that was polygamous, Right, then and they, all of a sudden they tell the chief you can only have one wife. Right, they would condemn that, and rightly so, it should be condemned in the New Testament age. But um, what we don't have, somebody gasps and horror there, we might discuss that later. In the New Testament age, it is condemned. <laughs> Sorry to those folks out in Utah. But, um, but when, when we look at this, and history is riddled with this, this, this preoccupation we have with personal dominion, and we often find when we have a closer look 
at uh, those movements or those nations who have attempted to do that. Mm-hmm. It's been more motivated in self-glory than God's glory. And I know that's a bold, sweeping statement, uh, but I believe it stands under scrutiny that um, the best way forward for the church is to be humble and to preach the gospel of grace, to preach the gospel of mercy found in Jesus Christ. And I'm sure Chris here, who will get to speak in a few moments, will affirm this as well. But the way we go about that is different. And that's why I was arguing in the composition today, saying, no, we shouldn't pursue this idea of having a Christian nation because there's really no such thing. The only nation that exists in the New Testament, uh, if it's going to be biblical and spiritual, is the church. A uh, a people saved from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Mm-hmm. And Peter uses this language as well in in his epistles. Well, you think in many ways the uh, the whole establishment of the uh, the what is now present day the Catholic Church um, was an attempt as well. Yeah, you know, beginning with Constantine in the Roman Empire, um, and then you know it, it spreads out from there. Uh, the attempt, you know, and I'm not just bashing them, but you know we have to be historically accurate there were there were things that were done in the name of christ and the crusades and and throughout our history that you know we could say well wait we were trying to do the right thing we were trying to establish god's kingdom here on earth but what was done in the name of god was it it normally inevitably falls into coercion look at the inquisitions and things like that but when you have the union of well it has to yeah if someone's not elect but they live in a Christian country, what are they going to do? Right. and They if, have to fake it. Right. Either fake it or be coerced. And hypocrisy is and then the most people, condemnable and then those sin. those people rise up to power, right. and now the whole system is corrupt. So, oh, we're getting going now. We so so we've got holes. We've yeah, got holes. We've got lots of holes. That need to be Big plugged. Holes. And yes. we're going to... Uh, but maybe Chris, maybe, maybe Chris, yeah, he's doing quite well here to hold his tongue. We're going to try to fill in the holes on the other side of the break. Phone number is 1-800-955-8200. That's toll-free. 1-800-955-8200. You are listening to Sons of Adam. Don't go away. We'll be right back. If you are buried in a mountain of credit card debt, here are some things you need to know. The new laws would regulate the interest rates and fees credit card companies can charge moving forward, but they do nothing to help eliminate the debt you have now. If your credit card debt has become too much for you to handle alone, call Jordan McKenna. Jordan McKenna will match you with a reputable law firm who will negotiate and reduce your credit card balance and stop harassing collection calls. 800-620-3056. Hope for the Heart with June Hunt. June's heart and the heart of this ministry are to share God's truth for today's problems. If you have an enemy, the Bible says, pray for those who persecute you and then leave the results up to him. Hope for the Heart with June Hunt. Weeknights at 7.30 on 820 AM KGNW. Mom, Dad. Maybe you're right. Maybe you don't need to talk to me about sex. Maybe you do control what I'm exposed to. Maybe I'm really not ready to hear about sex. But maybe not. Maybe I hear about sex every day. On TV, in movies, and songs, and magazines. On the internet, from my friends. Maybe while you're not talking to me about sex, there are thousands of other people who are. And none of them are telling me to wait. So maybe you're right. 
Maybe you are in control. Maybe you don't need to talk to me about sex. But just in case you're not right, maybe you should. Talk to me. Tell me to wait to have sex. Because even if you can't control what I see and hear, you can influence how I behave. If you need help starting the conversation, visit fourparents.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and this station. Well, good morning. Why is it so dark in here? And what's with a disco ball? Come on into the lair of love, Rick. Don, you're scaring me. No reason to be scared, my man. It's Valentine's Week, the week of love. And I, Don, the Love God Parish, intend to make this week that our entire office will remember. So you're going to talk like soul singer Barry White all week, right? That's the plan, Stan. I'm setting the mood. I'm in the groove. It's a love thing, baby. I'm done. <laughs> Mr. Clubheimer, how are we supposed to get anything Today's done? Today's life word is love. Do you have someone in your life that you love very much? This would be a great week to let them know how special they are to you. God set the example for that. He sent us his very best to prove how much he really loves us. Do you understand that kind of love? Call for our free booklet, Choosing to Change the Course of Your Life. 1-800-943-WORD. I'm Donnie Parrish. And he's talking like Barry White. This is life word, baby. God loves you and has a plan to change your life. 1-800-943-WORD. You know, you, uh, you've heard me uh, talk about my thinning of the waistline. Actually, I dropped another two pounds this week. And uh, another an inch well and a half. Another inch and a half off the belly. That's, I, I, I've lost four inches now off of my belly in the last three weeks. And uh, I'm really, you know, I f- I'm happy about it. I feel good. I'm feeling better. I don't feel great yet, but uh, yes, <laughs> I'm punching my belly. <laughs> Um, not feeling great yet, but uh, certainly a lot better. And um, uh, the uh, the owners of Delta Life Management uh, offered this week to do something that I thought was really cool. Um, as you know, I'm uh, heading back to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in two weeks now. Uh, I'll be leaving on the uh, 26th of February. And uh, I've talked to you a little bit about the cost of that and trying to raise some support through the program in order to, um, um, you know, pay for airfare and hotel and, and uh, all that's going to be involved in, in going to this uh, convention. Well, they, they offered to donate $100 uh, to um, this ministry to help it make, make it possible for me to go back to this, uh, uh, to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. Uh, for every person that signs up with them and gets involved in the program, uh, they will donate $100. And that's for the first 10 um, people that uh, sign up. So if you are interested in, in, in uh, you know, I talk about this not just because I'm trying to uh, do a sponsorship for the program, but because for me, this is a big deal for me. Um, this is the first time in my life in, in many regards that, that I have disciplined myself and committed myself to do something that I really don't want to do. In other words, I went out to dinner with all these guys tonight and, you know, the great sourdough bread. Uh, I wanted a big bowl of pasta and I wanted fish and chips. And I saw all these great things on the menu and I ended up ordering a bowl of soup and a Caesar salad. Very amillennial, by the way. Yeah. And, you know, um, there's, I a very part of, yeah, there's a part of me that doesn't want to change my eating habits. 
But there's another part that loves my family. And uh, out of love for them, I need to take care of myself physically. And I truly believe that my physical health reflects my spiritual health. And my view of God um, goes beyond just a theological understanding of who he is, but it works itself out practically in the way in which I live. Not just what I eat, but also in regards to politics and every other area of life. And so uh, if you're looking for someone to walk with you, um, to help encourage you to um, be consistent in what you eat and how you exercise and, and the way in which you eat and the way that you view life, I would strongly encourage Delta Life Management. Their uh, website's real easy, just deltalifemanagement.com. And uh, if you sign up and join, they will donate $100 to this ministry. And uh, I would uh, obviously appreciate that. The phone number is 1-800-955-8200. That's 1-800-955-8200. We're asking the question tonight, should the church work towards establishing a Christian nation? Uh, One of my guests tonight says no. My other guest, uh, we haven't heard from you. You've been doing so good just sitting there and listening and minding your own. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) Well, you've really grown up in the last few years, huh? Thank you. Lee. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> well, now, now I the put floor. My post-millennialism now the floor <laughs> is yours. It's Thank all you, yours. So, uh, tell us where you stand on this, Chris. Yeah. Um, well, first off, politics is not our savior, but politics needs to be saved. Okay. <clears throat> economics is not our savior, but economics needs to be saved. Marriage isn't your savior, but marriage needs to be saved. So however salvation, however God works salvation into your heart and into your mind, that needs to get fleshed out into what you do. Agreed. How you live, um, how you breathe, how you move. And that includes your, your uh, home life. Mm-hmm. That includes your political life. That includes how you drive down the road and, you know, don't cut that guy off just because he doesn't have a Jesus fish on the back of his car. <laughs> you, you act like a Christian. You live like a Christian. You behave like a Christian. It doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're to um, honor Christ in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, corresponding with that, I would say in opposition to Mr. Goundry here, that, uh, yeah, that there's one kingdom. One big fat kingdom that God created in the beginning that he's always been the God of and the ruler over. He's always had realms and subjects to rule over. And that one kingdom has always had an engine, and that's the church, which he created on day six in Genesis chapter two. And that church is to drive and spread the gospel out into the whole world. So I would agree with Mr. Goundry that the gospel begins in the church with the people of God, as the people of God grow and learn mm-hmm. about Christ and how to love Jesus and how to, to be good Christians, how to you know honor God with their lives and not just their mouths. But that flows out, just like the river that flowed out in, from the garden and branched out into the four rivers and went out through the land surrounding Eden. Mm-hmm. Right? That metaphor gets picked up all throughout redemptive history till you get to Ezekiel or Daniel. All of a sudden, that river river is deep and it's wide and it's flowing out into the entire earth as far as um as far as the curse is found as the song puts it mm-hmm. and um until the waters you know until the uh, knowledge of the lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea mm-hmm. i mean that's basically what i'm talking so i would about. agree with you 
Completely up mm-hmm. to the, uh, at this point. Good, you're yeah. post millennials. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. No. Yeah. no, I don't think I'm. A you at least think it's a good idea. Sounds good. Well, no, I believe it. I believe there is one kingdom. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a dispensationalist in the sense that I believe oh. in all of these different. You know. <laughs> By the way, right? you think I'm a dispensationalist? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, no, I didn't say that. I know. I know. I'm just I believe that there is one kingdom under God. That He is the King and Lord of all, Amen. and all of time and history. Um, falls under his kingdom and his rule. Fully right. agree. Um, but what I don't see is this. Uh, I don't see that Christ came to establish a political economic kingdom here on earth. And I think that was probably the main reason why, other than him claiming to be God, why he was rejected was because he did not come to establish a ruling authoritarian kingdom here on earth. He came to bring, uh, you know, he said the kingdom of God is at hand. I am the kingdom of God. He's the king. He's the king. Yeah. And he said, the kingdom of God is that it's walking in your midst right now. Right. He says, if I cast out demons among you, the kingdom of God is. Is at hand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, I, uh, uh, I would agree with you that, that all of time in history of, of, of the human record falls under the kingdom of God. But within that, within that, um, you know, the, the earth at this point, no, I'm not even going to say that. I'm not going to say the earth at this point is under the rule of man. It's still under the rule of, and authority of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, in but, Christ now. Excuse me? In Christ now. Absolutely. He's in ascended, Christ. he's on his throne. Yeah, he's absolutely in Christ. Kings, yeah. But uh, I, I don't know if it's more of a theological thing or, or, or pragmatic or of both. I see, I see some truths in both of your guys' arguments. This is, you know, this That's is kind tough. of where I land almost <laughs> always with issues like this is mm-hmm. kind of, I see both. It's a both and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there's a lot of right. overlap. So, right. And that's why we had uh, areas of agreement, even in the debate we did this afternoon. But, it's like, yeah, but, so, but, you, but basically what you believe, though, Chris, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, correct me if I don't uh, state this properly. Thank you. <laughs> is that it is our job to... Establish Christ's kingdom here on earth in the sense of, in all ways, to Christianize the world. Yeah. And when we do that, then Christ will return. Um, yes. Well, Christ will come back after, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Where is he reigning right now? He's reigning in heaven at the right hand of the Father. So you believe that all people will become saved? Uh, not necessarily, no, not but, head but, for head. But, but I'm not even, a universalist. Even in that, though. And no post-millennialist. Here, I want to even take mm. it a step further. When it says all of his enemies, does that not mean also demons and and Satan? Yeah, well, he's already conquered them on the cross. That's what Paul said in Colossians 2, triumphing over them. You know. So what else is there to conquer here on earth? Why, why is, just why the remnants. Is, See, and that's, I don't that's get the whole this. Why, point. Why is the establishment here, of let me, a nation? Let me, just, use a metaphor, let me use an analogy here. Yeah. Okay. Unbelief in the world... Is like a five-year-old who goes and grabs his garden hose, points it up at the sun, turns it on full blast, and thinks, I'm going to put the sun out. I like that. That's yeah, unbelief. I like that, yeah. yeah. I like that as well. The sun rises, the sun sets, and no five-year-old is ever going to put it out. Now, he might be able to put up a bit of water that can, you know, maybe darken. Get himself wet. Yeah, get himself wet and yeah. darken the, himself a little bit. But, you know, what was that? What did that soldier say in the movie 300? We'll fight in the dark. By the way, <laughs> I, was, I was meaning to mention that. I think that was an awful movie. 300. I was just in horror the whole time. Well, if you read the real, the account <laughs> yeah. in uh, Herodotus, it's actually, it's much better. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yes. Um, but I, I know it's a lot of dudes like it, but 
Yeah. And I'm a dude as well. But uh, I just... A lot of dudes who play a lot of video games. Yeah. Need to read yeah. More. yeah, it was like it was like a video game. <laughs> and I was just like, no thanks. <laughs> well, the phone numbers are 1-800-955-8200. The lines are jammed. Uh, we were going to get right to it. And uh, do you have anything else real quickly you want to... Do I represent your position? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right. Jesus ascended. He reigns from heaven on earth. And amen. That's it. Okay. Well, we only got a minute till our next break. So, uh, Wyatt, calling from Kirkland, Washington. You got a question, Wyatt? Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm still on the line between Federal Vision and Two Kingdoms. And so, one of my questions, I guess, to pick on the British guy is uh, epistemology. <laughs> so, Thomas Aquinas had a division between. Uh, nature, nature and grace, grace. right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, which seems to be very similar to. You got about 30 seconds, Wyatt, so try to ask your question. I'll have him answered on the other side of the break. All right, no problem. So I want to know, like, if so, if all the knowledge and understanding and science is under, Nate, uh, under nature, then wouldn't you say that part of the church, you know, would not have anything to do with knowledge or science or understanding whatsoever? And if I don't get a chance to, I'd love to hear your opinions on uh, Westminster West, Michael Horton. And- All right, we got to go. We'll be back with more of the Sons of Adams. Phone number is 1-800-955-8200. Don't go away. That's like a whole nother. When I first decided to go back, I was a little scared because I was older. My mom sat me down. She told me that it's not my job to be the man of the house. Her dream for me is to go back to school and finish what I started. I needed to hear that. Jared didn't know how to get the money he needed for college. I found out about the federal student aid program through my English teacher, and she told me, Jared, this is what you need to do. Once I got the form, I filled out the application. I did it myself. Federal student aid made college and Jared's dreams possible. When I first had the news that I received money, I ran downstairs and I showed my mother, and she was happy, so she started crying. But when I saw her crying, I started crying. Need help paying for college? Go to federalstudentaid.ed.gov, an office of the U.S. Department of Education. Start here, go further. My name is Jared, and this is my story. There's a storm gathering. The clouds are dark, and the winds are strong. And I am afraid. Some who advocate for same-sex marriage have taken the issue far beyond same-sex couples. They want to bring the issue into my life. My freedom? will be taken away. I'm a California doctor who must choose between my faith and my job. I'm part of a New Jersey church group punished by the government because we can't support same-sex marriage. I'm a Massachusetts parent helplessly watching public schools teach my son that gay marriage is okay. But some who advocate for same-sex marriage have not been content with same-sex couples living as they wish. Those advocates want to change the way I live. I will have no choice. The storm is coming. But we have hope. A rainbow coalition of people of every creed and color are coming together in love to protect marriage. Visit nationformarriage.org. Nationformarriage.org. Join us. All right, welcome back. Phone number is 1-800-955-8200. You are listening to the Sons of Adam. We are asking the question tonight, is it the responsibility of the church to establish Christ's kingdom here on earth, to to create a Christian nation? 
Um, and I'm assuming that would obviously go beyond the United States because we got the whole world. So we're supposed to go into all the world and create Christian countries. Yeah. How about Amen. the moon? How about, you never know. Well, we'll get there eventually. Because <laughs> yeah. God so loved the cosmos, which would include <laughs> Mars. Right. Right. Get Mars. All right. Uh, Mr. Goundry, I, yes. I got it right. Um, <laughs> we planted the to, flag. I want you to uh, answer the question <laughs> of the last caller. Yeah, he had asked um, epistemologically. By the way, I will define that term. Epistemology is the theory of knowledge. So he's saying if you adopt the two-kingdom model, which is you've got the church and then all the other nations and the institutions of man represent the world, if you will. Do we not um, withdraw from science, from the arts? Do we seek to be involved in these things? And how do we know these things? How do we uh, know things concerning uh, empiricism and science and art and, and fo so on, uh, ad infinitum? <laughs> And I would argue that, yeah, we have to go out there and explore this world that God has made. And because we have natural revelation, right? I think everybody would accept that in this room today. We, we have natural revelation. When uh, you say natural revelation, you're talking about uh, the sun, the stars, the moon, the sea, the right. mountains, like in Romans, life. Yeah. Right. In Romans 1, yep. the psalmist also uh, concludes the same in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare his glory. Mm -hmm. His eternal power and Godhead is clearly seen through empirical observation of the outside world, through sense perception, mm -hmm. but also innately. We have that innate knowledge. So we have those two things in our favor when it comes to exploring this world that we find ourselves in. So can we obtain knowledge without divine revelation? Yes. Many unbelievers know lots of things, mm -hmm. more things than us in certain areas. But... Can they account for that knowledge? Then that's when you run into difficulties, and that's when you do need the Bible. But what we're discussing tonight is the nature and scope of the kingdom of God in the present age. And I've been arguing all day, and you've been very kind to allow me to do that, uh, is it's limited to the church. And uh, those scriptures that I cited in the introduction here, I believe, conclusively prove that. So I'm very Now, he asked the second part of the question in regards to uh, a few authors. Is that what it was? Oh, he, he didn't get to finish the question, but he was going to ask a question relating to Michael Horton. Yeah. But I didn't catch the end of it. I'm curious to know what it might be. Okay. Uh, but Michael Horton, I know this in reference to the discussion tonight. He is a two kingdoms guy. I mean, he champions that position. So maybe there's some discussion whether they pack company with uh, Westminster standards. I don't know what your opinion on that would be. Yes. Yes. But, but I'm a from Baptist, so... That's of uh, little consequence to me, <laughs> but um, good. Yeah, right, there Chris, we go. Go ahead. Yes, uh, I do believe that Westminster West has departed from at least the uh, the original Westminster standards. Um, the original Westminster standards, I think, were theocratic, so they believed essentially in one kingdom. There's one kingdom on earth, uh, one kingdom where God reigns from heaven over earth. Now, now. Uh, um, Mr. Goundry, mm -hmm. uh, Jonathan, right? Yes. Jonathan, yes. Yes, sir. Today asked you, I thought, a very poignant question. And I was, I was surprised but also glad, happy that you answered it the way you did, mm -hmm. that if you believe in, in establishing a theocratic government. Christocratic, yeah. Christocratic. Uh, then you would, you would uh, uphold the Old Testament laws and mm -hmm. therefore— um, the judgments that come with breaking those laws. Right. 
Yes, um, I think Paul and Second Timothy. So someone who worships another god, would mm-hmm. you you would support in the United States of America as well as the whole world that if somebody wanted to be a pagan, they should be put to death? No, not necessarily. Not death penalty for. There's some who've argued for the death penalty for breaking all Ten Commandments. I don't think that's necessarily needs to be the case. Um, I think there's other penalties like excommunication. Look, this is a Christian nation. If you don't want to be a Christian, well, go live in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> what about well, the poor remnant in Canada? Know. Speaking of Canada, we have uh, a call from uh, Victoria, B.C. Oh, uh, we have Mark calling from Victoria. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Hey, not too bad. Thank uh, you. Did you uh, look across the waters last night and see the torch lit? Uh, yes, I did, actually. Serious? Yeah. So was that, that comment just now about Canada, was that for me? Um, no, 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 he that was w- just playing around. Coincidental, but I yeah. do apologize. <laughs> well, let, me, let me say, God rules, uh, Christ lives, eh? Indeed. And, uh, Amen. Amen. But I'm wondering if, if maybe we're being a little schizo about this. Uh, I mean, God's kingdom on earth, hopefully each of us individually would hear God clearly enough to obey him in our daily walk. If we were looking after each other, the rest of the world would say, hey, look what those guys are doing. So, but I mean, my main question was about the futility of trying to serve God and mammon, and the fact that Christ said, my kingdom is not of this world. Right. If yeah. it were, my disciples would be fighting for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can yeah, I, I use that verse today. Know. Yeah, I use that verse today. Yeah. Um, the well, the about, response... About God's kingdom. I mean, yeah. it depends how we want to define God's kingdom on earth. Right. Well, what Jesus was saying there, though, if you um, look carefully in John 17, I think you'll see that um, what Jesus was saying was that his kingdom is not out of this world. It's not from this world. The source and power for his kingdom is not the world powers that be. In other words, Jesus didn't get his authority from Caesar. Clearly. Jesus didn't get his authority from Pilate. Now, if you look carefully, though, it's interesting. In John 17, he does go on to say that he is the king of the world. He goes on, and in John 17, he says... uh, Pilate therefore said to him, okay, are you a king then? In the Greek, it's just, are you king? There's no indefinite article there. Are you king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. Notice, that's the whole reason he came into the world. He is the king. He's the rightful heir, even of Jerusalem, not just of Jerusalem, of course, but, you know, Rome, the whole in fact, in the early church, it was commonly, it was becoming more of a problem because Christians were running around and said, instead of saying Kairos Kyrios, Caesar is Lord, they were running around saying uh, Christos Kyrios, you know, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, is, Christ Lord. is Lord. I hear you. Those were dangerous words in those days. But I mean, Christ sits at God's right hand. He is king. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, we should all be uh, listening to his orders daily. And the Romans knew exactly what that meant. Mm-hmm. And that's why, one reason why the persecution was so heavy, because these Christians are running around saying, we don't bend a knee to Caesar, we bend a knee to Jesus. So we what do we him. do then? What do we do if we're trying to establish this uh, kingdom here on earth mm-hmm. with the well, I, hundreds I, I, of thousands or millions of people that do not believe? Yeah, we well, preach I, the gospel, I, I, we and they still And they don't believe. Well, I, I would put it this way. And I, they I'm, rebel. I'm not trying to be cute, but trying to be serious. I mean, there's an expression among church planters that say, you know, if we build it, they will come. But I would add to that, if we are it, they will stay. 
Yeah. I mean, we have to be it. Yeah. And people have to see it and say, hey, I want to be like them. That's it's right. as simple as that. Amen. Hey, Mark, I appreciate your call, man. Thank you. All right, have a good night. Yeah. Bye-bye. That leaves an open line at 1-800-955-8200. Again, that's 1-800-955-8200. You are listening to the Sons. Well, I'm having a hard time talking here. My tongue is sticking. I don't know if it's <laughs> all the influence of that British stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the show is called The Sons of Adam, and uh, my name is Leif. I'm your host. Joining me in studio tonight is uh, Jonathan Goundry and Chris Comas. And we are uh, really asking the question, is it the responsibility of the church to establish a Christian nation? And if so, what does that look like pragmatically? You know, how do you then, how should we live our lives? Should it look any differently than, than how we, we, we presently are? Does that mean we get more involved in politics and, uh, you know, we work diligently at trying to take over our city councils and uh, uh, the different offices and then we... What? Do we mandate our values on everybody else? And if they don't believe like we believe and do like we do, we put them in jail or something? I don't get it. I think, I he, was, I think he was suggesting excommunication, which is kind of a puppy version of... But they're not in the uh, church. The they're not yeah. in the church, so how can you excommunicate them? No, out of the country. Oh, See. we kick them out of the country. So there's, <laughs> so there's actually going to be a part of the world then that's still going to be dark. Well, yeah, there's always going to be unbelievers. Well, then the whole world is not saved and under God's right. kingdom. And, and, no, just because head for head we don't have So it's got to be 90% saved. Yeah, and what, 90%, what's, what's 85%. The point? No, if they, if our civil magistrates are saved, right? Yeah. They're going to well, hopefully behave like Christians. It's hard enough to get pastors and to behave like is, Christians. It is. It is. And this is why I would argue reform has to begin in the church. And if the reformation of the church doesn't take place, no amount of political you know, gerrymandering or whatever is gonna mm. is gonna work. It's not gonna help. Mm. This is where worship, I would argue, is central. Worship has to take place in the church on a healthy week by week kind of way, and out of that will flow the waters that flow out into the world and cause political reformation and all that. But this is where, obviously, I do have disagreement. Why we had the debate today? Um, because this idea of coercion. Or if you don't convert, then you're out of here. Mm. I think is foreign to New Testament thought. New Testament is is God who regenerates a soul, and we earnestly plead. I think were the words of, of Paul mm -hmm. for people to repent and believe. Uh, so to bring in this idea of theocratic coercion, I think is to bring a shadow of the Old Testament into the brilliance, if you will, of the New Testament. Well, but that's exactly what we're supposed to do. Uh, the uh, New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old. Right. It's not the abolishment. Right, and, I, and that's why we were arguing when we look at the Old Covenant. Yeah. And Hebrews 8 bears witness to this. It was well, waxing old and ready to vanish away. Yeah. So, so that's well, really the that's, disagreement, you know, but that's good that this is well, you know, every, every attempt at this throughout history, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, the Roman Empire and, and the, uh, the result then in the, the Catholic Church, whether it be the Church of England, uh, whether it be even America, United States, the, the pilgrims, the founders coming here, and the, 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 we did horrible things to the people that lived in this country. Mm -hmm. it, it lived they in did North horrible America. things to themselves, too. Oh, of course they did. <laughs> I, yeah, of course they Much did. Much more horrible than we but, did. But, but that... <laughs> Yeah, but so we can't what? use that as right. a standard to <laughs> justify what we did. Excuse, and it right. seems to me yeah. that that when we have attempted this in the past to establish this Christian nation or Christian world, 
it has ultimately led to abuses. And I want to talk about that on the other side of the break. Colonialism Mm -hmm. from the British guy. (laughs) 1-800-955-8200 is the phone number. You're listening to Sons of Adam. Don't go away. We're going to be right back. The following program is sponsored by Second Adam Ministries, and the opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the staff, management, or advertisers of this station. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to All right, welcome back to Hour 2 of the Sons of Adam. My name is Leif Moy, and I'll be here for the next hour talking about what's on my mind and hearing from you about what is on your mind. We are talking about should the church work towards establishing a Christian nation. Uh, I I have a a question I want to ask both of you guys in relation to this, because this is something that I kind of, I'm working through. What do you do if uh, you have three candidates, okay? One is a Republican, one's a Democrat, and the other is an independent. Mm-hmm. Now, the, re- the Democrat is, you know, pro-choice. He's, you know, uh, hardcore liberal, progressive, uh, would not hold to some of the values that, that, that I hold to as a, as a believer, as a Christian. Then I have a Republican guy who is fiscally conservative, but he's socially very liberal. And then I have the third person who's an independent, who is both socially and uh, fiscally conservative, is a, you know, is a believer. But there is absolutely no possible way that this person is ever going to win the election. At the most, he'll get one to two percent. Who do I vote for? Is Hmm. it just throwing away my vote? To vote for the because if I don't vote for the Republican, then the Democrat's going to win because I'm splitting the vote. But if I vote for the Republican, then I'm really voting against my conscience. I can say on some parts I vote my conscience that you know I want the government to be smaller. Uh, so fiscally, I can say yeah he he's consistent with my beliefs. But on a on a, on another level socially, uh, he's not consistent. So do I settle for the lesser of two evils? Yeah, I mean, this is where this yeah. comes right down to right. everyday life here. Right, mm-hmm. what do you do? And How much money? I mean, do, do we start uh, taking a huge portion of our, our money, you know, mm-hmm. we, we maybe give to the church? Uh, do we take a portion of that and start giving it to candidates that are of like-minded faith and support them in their political process? Uh, do we, you know, rally? Do we go out and protest? Do we... Uh, establish marches, you know, that that uh, promote our values and our moral positions. Is that our role as the church? See, I, I kind of I'm opposed to that. I don't like that. 
Well, then how else are you supposed to disciple the nations? Through the gospel. Through the yeah. yeah. And when you teach but, them but the mor- gospel, moralism, what do you them? moralism is not the gospel to me. I agree. This is where I get I stuck in this whole thing. I agree, but that just you... just getting somebody to not, you know, live a certain lifestyle. But what does First John say? It says. First John is written God, to Christians. It's written to Christians, right? not to the non-believer. I agree. So I have no right to go to him and, in some ways, uh, tell him not to do certain behaviors. No, but you do have all right and authority to go to him and say, "Jesus is King." Now bow the knee. Well, yeah, the, uh, repentance is a command. Yeah, and nobody's denying and that. And now, what happens when he stands up and says, "Okay, I love Jesus." Now what? Right. Well, the, you teach him. Like Jesus said, right? Teaching them everything I have commanded you. Yeah. You teach them the law of God. You teach them the word of God and from Genesis to Revelation. And you teach them how to vote like a Christian, how to live like a Christian. I mean, it's, it's not that complicated, really. <laughs> right. And it isn't. And that's why I think you should have my conclusions on the matter. Because, yes, we would tell that man run for office or that magistrate, praise God, you repented and believed the gospel. The angels are now rejoicing in heaven. And as a magistrate, you want to look to the New Testament and see how the New Testament prescribes uh, the circumscribed jurisdiction of the state. And again, I think this is where we differ once more. And um, the main thing is to get individuals to love their neighbors as themselves. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing you want to be uh, discipling this convert with. But secondarily, within his occupation, how does he practically apply that to law? Yeah. And that's why I argue for the in the in the debate that the idea that the blue uh, excuse me the mosaic law is a blueprint for society is a miss um, because in the New Testament we read like in Corinth that's why I use that example of the uh, the uh, the stepmother sleeping with the, the son how that that was dealt with through excommunication it yeah, wasn't he dealt been put to death right the, but in the, the Old law. Testament he would have yeah. been put to death so not necessarily par- no but you see a paradigm. We see a paradigm shift. I know that was fleshed out a bit. There was commutation. Just, just a second. I mean, there, there's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's a, a huge potential gap of time there, mm. all right, because it's assumed later on that he repented. Yeah. But Paul says, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his soul right. might be saved. In right. the day of the Lord Jesus. Okay, but, but, and then we don't know the time period that took place before he did repent. But he did. But under the law. Yeah. If he did not repent immediately, he would have been put to death. Well, not necessarily immediately. I mean, there are instances, say, Geneva, France, right? I'm Cal- not talking about Geneva, France. I'm talking about the same Old kind Testament of principle. Well, okay, think about it. How many years have transpired since the, you know, sealing of the New Covenant canon? Two thousand years almost, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, how do we transfer that to where we're at today, right? By same principles of you know, Grace. interpretation by the same ability, wisdom. We, we dig into the scriptures. We figure out how to apply all of that. And we do the same thing with the Old Testament. We do the same thing all the way through the Bible. I mean, it's absolutely. That's why Paul says all scripture is God breathed yep. and useful. Yep. And useful. And all scripture to him at that point would have been the whole Old Testament. Yep. All scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, mm-hmm. correcting, and training in righteousness. Mm-hmm. So we need to use all of Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Oh, I agree. I fully to teach agree. people how to how to live, how to live like right. Christians. Yeah. yeah. And now, when people live like Christians, <laughs> the hope, right, of the gospel is that that transforms all of life, including society, culture, the arts, whatever. You know. 
I, I Chris, I on a big picture utopian world, that, yeah. I agree with that. But mm. it's never happened no in has. two thousand years. There are instances, you know. Again, this is there has there's maybe some little brief moments in times where there has been. Uh, it's going on right now in China. I mean, if you want a, is, if you want a practical example is, of where there, this there is. are people being. Um, converted to Christianity in China, no doubt. Okay. In masses. Yeah, <laughs> right, but they don't people. have a government, but, but, but they, they don't, government. not yet. No. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, very much but not remember yet. the example of the, but, but the guy, assume, assume the economics. Assume they're going to take over government, and even if they did, we all we have to do is look at all of history. Mm. Whenever the church has come into, or the, the, the state has become churched, mm-hmm. it becomes corrupt. Not necessarily. And, and, and it, it does. It has in every single instance. Well, okay. Well, let's apply this to marriage. Okay. No, How many no, marriages? No, 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 no. Become... We can't. I want to stay with this. Well, okay? there's an analogy here. But it marriage. doesn't cross over. How many marriages get corrupt? Lots of them. Okay. So should we abandon the marriage institution? No. Because no, that's sanctioned by God. Well, the same exact thing applies to the state. Well, you wouldn't Just have to argue. But, but, but see, I don't of... believe that God sanctioned for the Jews. I mean, he said he said the 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 Hebrew people as his nation, but he did not tell them to go to Babylon and to go no, to... they did. That's exactly what they, they did. No. Especially in the no, de- they did. dispersion. They, they did when out. they were sent out, right. out of discipline. Okay? And they they mention, spread out, and they brought their influence, but then God specifically intervened in certain instances. Well, what about Syria? Um, king Cyrus, sorry. Yeah, maybe for a, mo- a short moment a of time. King a righteous king for a short moment God of time. And implemented biblical law nebuchadnezzar towards the end of his life after he went nuts right Again, for a short moment in time no it had huge effects see that's the point we don't i'm not doubting i'm not doubting that movements of god throughout history have had huge effects Uh and have and have have blessed multitudes of people and of nations how is it that we're sitting here right now with this kind of equipment with this kind of technology because, because of what our founders did and the beliefs no, and the see, motivations I would go back and the before that it's because that Jesus died rose again and he's ascended 100%. you know what i'm saying yeah, totally i totally agree so i mean you can focus on all the bad things right and you can point out tons of warts on the christian church and there are plenty right there are plenty of instances where the church screwed up and did some pretty horrible things granted but what should we focus on I mean, love believes all things. Love hopes oh, all abs- things. Yep. So we when we look at our gospel. when we look at our mother, right, our mother church, right, throughout history, we should one honor her by looking at the good she's done mm-hmm. first and foremost, which is in a lot of ways reform society, hospitals, seminary, you know, universities. I mean, orphanages. There's all kinds of things that the church has built physically built yep. in the name honor, of Christ in the absolutely. name of Christ that have benefited society yep. immensely yep. we wouldn't be we wouldn't have these skyscrapers today we wouldn't have these microphones if it weren't for that I agree so we got to take a quick break the phone number is 1-800-955-8200 again that's toll-free 1-800-955-8200 you have a comment you have a question give me a call I'll let you finish your point on the other side Chris all right we'll be right back So here's a new idea. What this country needs right now is a new bailout, right? Let's put a new tax on something and then send money to people who don't really need it. That'll work. This time, they want to put a new tax on every song played on the radio. And who gets a pile of money? 
hundreds of millions of dollars? Giant record companies, most of which are in foreign countries. We'll pay all the money, and they'll keep gobs of it. Great. It's a bad idea. It could bankrupt local radio stations. But like a lot of bad ideas, it will happen unless we tell our members of Congress to stop it. Join us. Go to www.noperformancetax.org. That's noperformancetax.org. Tell your members of Congress to stop the radio performance tax. That's why the National Association of Broadcasters and this radio station are airing this message. Stop the radio tax. This heavyweight bout is about to begin. The challenger wears white trunks with a blue stripe, and the champ is wearing, uh, looks like an examination gown from the doctor's office. And from the back, we can... Ooh, that's not pretty. Champ, what's with the crazy getup? I've got to take care of my family. Yeah, so? Well, when you love your family, you got to go in and get those important medical screenings. A lot of potentially deadly diseases can be treated if you catch them in time. So you wear the examination gown because... Because I'm a real man. Real men take care of their families and get those tests. Real men wear gowns. Okay, champ. Good luck. Here we go. <laughs> the champ's not wasting any time. <laughs> it's over. This fight is over. Champ, you barely broke a sweat. Any words for your fans out there? Remember, go to ahrq.gov for a list of the tests they need to get and when to get them. What was that web address again? ahrq.gov. And remember, real men wear gowns. Go to ahrq.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AHRQ, and the Ad Council. This is Hugh Hewitt for townhall.com. President Obama's astonishing budget proposal for next year sets out a $1.6 trillion deficit. This massive amount of red ink threatens to give America a fiscal stroke, causing a currency crisis of the sort we have never seen before. Not only is the budget deficit enormous, so are Obama's massive proposed tax hikes, including a proposal to, one, radically reduce the charitable tax deduction, and two, radically reduce the mortgage interest deduction. Both proposals are direct attacks on basic American traditions of supporting church and charity and of owning your own home. They are truly radical and would, if enacted, have a direct impact on our giving patterns and on home ownership. The budget proposed by President Obama shows he has learned nothing from the election of Scott Brown in Massachusetts. The president remains very far to the left of the American center, pursuing radical policies that must be defeated now, even as his congressional allies must be defeated in November. I'm Hugh Hewitt. And I'm going to get back to uh, the question that I posed closer to the top of the hour that uh, I was reminded during the break that we never answered it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I experienced this personally in that it seems every time an election comes up and I vote, I feel like I'm wasting my vote. I, I just do. And it drives me crazy uh, because I tend to vote for the person that is that I have a clear conscience about. Um, I don't want to just throw away my vote, but I also f- believe that I'm going to be held accountable to that as well, that I've got to give an answer to God for my vote. He put me in a country that gives me that freedom and that right, which is an amazing thing considering the history of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
you know, what do you do, though, when you know that the guy you're going to vote for is going to lose? There's just no way he's going to win because there's not enough people that are going to vote for him. You're going to split the vote for the guy who's the, the, the least of, of two evils. And then you're going to get somebody really bad in office, or at least from my perspective, is really bad. Do we just, you know, I hear some people say, well, let's just let those bad people get elected and let the country completely f- go to hell. And then we'll m- fix it and make it all better again. Can I make a correction? I guess. Something you said at the beginning of the show? <laughs> yeah. You said you never vote for the uh, candidate who wins in this area? Yeah. Did you vote for Dino Rossi? Yes. He, he actually won twice. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but he's not in office. He's not in office. So a Technicality. Yeah. The phone number is 1-800-955-8200. Toll free 1-800-955-8200. Let's get back to uh, the phones. Oh, no. Before I do that, answer that question, guys. Yeah, um, taking the model mix is quite easy. Um, we don't adopt pragmatism in order to establish our idea of a Christian nation when it comes to the voting booth. And what I mean by that is you vote according to your conscience. And I think it's more important that you have a clear conscience than anything else. So, 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 so given I, that, so given that, okay, yeah. uh, basically the country is kind of split. Yeah. We have about... Uh, uh, 23% that are strong uh, conservative. Mm-hmm. We have another or Republican, strong conservative. We have another 23% or so, 25% that are liberal, progressives. And then we have this big group in the middle mm-hmm. that can swing a vote either way. Mm-hmm. So if we vote our conscience every time mm-hmm. for the guy that, that, that most closely represents our view— it's kind of unlikely he's going to win. Right, and this becomes so, the question. So, so then... This becomes the question. Where does theology and biblical thought really begin, and where does pragmatism take a back seat? And, yeah, you can come, uh, you know, suggest, rather, pragmatism well, I, heard, as, the, as the antidote, but I don't think that's the way forward. I think vote according to your conscience and trust God. Well, I hear commentators, you know... Uh, politically uh, conservative commentators always saying, well, you're not going to always get a touchdown, you know, from the the one yard line. You know, you've got to work five yards at a time. Right. So if we don't start voting for that right guy, then we're never going to get there. Well, so, that's not what they were saying. They were, <laughs> all right, something. They were saying that you're not going to get all the things that you wish oh, for in a candidate. Yeah, you yeah. know, on your first vote, you're going to have to work towards it. And so it seems like we're yeah. always compromising and settling for. Uh, the person that is no different than the other person in the party. Right, and that's what right. I'm saying. That's why it's best to vote for that independent guy, whoever he may be, or even if it's a Republican or even, dare I say, a Democrat so in, who in has your, those in your position, you don't think you're just throwing away your vote? No. Even though there's no chance they're going to win? No, my responsibility is to glorify God and to honor him and what he demands of me as, as a And as I would saint. say given that position, mm-hmm. there is no way possible we're ever going to make this a Christian nation. Right, and that's why I've been arguing it's a myth all night. So, Chris, <laughs> I'm going to let you jump in here. Yeah, I think political activism needs to begin, again, in the church. I think pastors need to be teaching their flock how to not just vote for the right candidate, whoever that might be or could be, but they need to be teaching their fathers, the fathers in the church, how to raise up their children so that we actually eventually have a candidate that is worth voting for 
you know, <laughs> and it's not going to happen overnight. The gospel permeates a culture like a mustard seed. It's slow growth. It's not revolution. And I'm sorry, Leaf, but, you know, even given our democratic process, many of us think of voting almost in revolutionary terms, like mm -hmm. we're going to change things overnight. Sorry, it's not going to happen. It's never been that way. We're going to have to raise up godly children, godly politicians, and it's going to take probably a few generations. Um, and that's what we need to be working for. All right. Let's go to Ann calling from uh, Burien, Washington. Thanks for hanging on, Ann. That's okay. How are you? Good. Uh, going back to your original question, I don't think we should have to choose between whether our, our responsibility as Christians is to spread the gospel or to get involved in politics. Uh, I believe we are responsible to both spread the gospel and, as Christians, we have responsibility to fight politically for moral issues, such as calling our and writing our legislators and doing what we can uh, to influence the nation t toward righteousness. Um, and can um, such areas, uh, in areas such as, uh, you know, the moral issues such as abortion and homosexual marriage, I believe that uh, we need to stand up for these things and that um, to, um, you know, in any way we can uh, politically and let our voices be heard. And I think that people's you know, Christians think that they just have to be quiet and spread the gospel, and, and as a result, we're not influencing our society, and our society is spiraling downhill out of control at a very fast level now, and I think that we need to begin to to let our voices be heard. Now, they may not, you know, believe it because they're not Christian, but nonetheless, we still have to push. We're not necessarily trying to push to make this a a Christian nation per se, quote unquote. I don't think we have to worry about whether we're making it, trying to make it a Christian nation or not trying to make it a Christian nation. But I do think we need to fight about the moral issues and stand up for righteousness. And uh, if if we're just quiet and do nothing but spread the gospel, and that's the kind of an example we set, it's going to get to the point where we. You know, it, it might even get to the point where we're not even, um, we get so uh, socialistic that we're practically into communism and we're not even free to, to even go to church, yeah. you know, if we just sit and be quiet. Well, and uh, you, you raised a question that I want uh, the guys to, uh, to uh, talk about here in a moment. I appreciate your calling very much. Um, I want to ask both of you guys. Uh, this because I'm, I'm curious where each of you will will stand. Do you think that Christians should be marching? Um, John Jonathan should be marching, protesting, doing parades, gatherings to uh, you know outlaw gay marriage. Is that our call and our role? Is that how we share the gospel? <laughs> um, or and and then I want Chris. I want you to answer the same question. Is that part of? what we are called to do in order to have a because it seems that that's kind of what the the list the caller was mm. referring to and i know that that is that that's very popular in this area and there's a lot of churches that are involved in that mm -hmm. and you know again is it about moralism or is it about the decay of the country that we need to fight for is it about the gospel i mean putting all these things together is where it gets yes. mixed up yes so i said no and he said yes and i think it's finding everything in its right place. Is there a place for yeah. political activism? Yes, but in the example that you gave, 
concerning maybe Proposition 8, as it was in California, or whatever the, the case may be, when it comes to consensual sins, they have been delayed to Judgment Day. But if it's a crime... If but if we have the right to vote on it, shouldn't we vote on it? Yeah, we can vote on it. Yeah, and, and we should vote according to our conscience and according to the Word of God. But it was pitched in the, in the idea of a protest, a parade, a, a public you know gathering of that of that nature is it permissible i guess so i mean if christians want to do that i said i would say rather is it the best step forward no i would say it's far more conducive to spread the gospel and uh, as much as i appreciate the call who just called in there i don't think to spread the gospel is any quiet thing i think it's a very noisy loud mm -hmm. symbol and even if you do it with a british accent it's still <laughs> going to get <laughs> A lot of hostility and a lot of uh, a lot of response. So, the biggest weapon in our arsenal, if you will, is the gospel. Amen. And I think the the inherent danger of having do this they go political hand activism, hand. this does, political activism, does moralism and the gospel go hand in hand? No, the the law. The gospel is moral. The gospel is political. Right, and I would say no. I would say the law and moralism goes hand in hand. You betcha. But the gospel speaks of the perfect law keeper, which is Jesus, and the one who died in the place of wretched sinners such as ourselves. That's grace. That's good news. There's nothing to do with morality in that sense in the gospel. It's yeah, the law that gives us the ethics, well, which tells us how bad we you gotta are. Put the, you got to put the cart before the... Cart before the horse, horse before the cart, horse before the cart. Horse yeah, before the cart. I'm getting tired as well, bro. <laughs> the the <laughs> gospel, the gospel comes first in every situation. We don't start with law; we start with gospel. Now the question is, well, what happens when the gospel takes effect? Well, it takes effect. Yeah, it's efficacious, so it's going to go out and it's going to change things, right? It's going to change the political, this political sphere. It's going to change all kinds of areas of life. Um, we don't start with the law. We start with Jesus, and <clears throat> when Jesus grabs a hold of us, he tells us, okay, this is how I want you to live your life. Obey the law. The law of God is a good thing. It's a holy thing. That's what Paul says. We know that the law is holy and righteous and good. In Romans 3, he says, we establish the law. All right, that uh, leaves a couple open lines. Phone number is 1-800-955-8200. If you have a comment or question, I uh, would love to hear from you. Hey, guys, uh, how do you lead your home in this? You know, do you, uh, do you talk about politics with your kids, with your family, with your wife? Do you tell her who to vote? You know, do you <laughs> fill out the card for her before she goes out of the house on voting day? Give me a call. we got to take a quick, quick break. We'll be right back. Sure, you can incorporate a business, make a will, file a trademark, and get bankruptcy help on LegalZoom.com. You don't need to spend thousands of dollars, and yes, it's fast. But what about quality? The Wall Street Journal tested LegalZoom. They created a last will and testament and then had it reviewed by a law school professor who declared it airtight. LegalZoom isn't a law firm. They provide self-help services at your specific direction. And to save even more money on most products, enter bonus in the referral box at checkout. Visit LegalZoom.com. That's LegalZoom.com. Dr. Stanley talks about the mission of InTouch. I want you to learn something that makes a difference in your life. I want you to walk out with something to help you know God better, know Jesus better, not to walk in His way and in His will, that help you to learn how to learn more yourself when you read the Word of God. That's what we are up to. Listen this week to In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Get In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley, weekday mornings at 10 on 820 AM KGNW. 
The National Americanism Commission of the American Legion has a lot to say in its recent study about illegal immigration. It says in part that the number of illegal aliens in the United States is a national security issue in the truest sense. That the number of illegal aliens may range from 11 to 20 million. Illegal immigration, it says, is not a victimless crime. Costing American taxpayers 11 to 22 billion dollars annually and has become one of the nation's largest unfunded federal mandates. For a free booklet on a strategy to address illegal immigration, go to www.legion.org bulletins. A public service of this station and the American Legion. Because you have a right to know. Woodrow Kroll offers a Bible Minute on trusting God. Do not trust in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Now, David was a wealthy man. So if anybody knew about trusting riches, or at least the potential of trusting riches, David would surely know about that. Even if you worked hard all of your life, and the reason you have a, an IRA, and the reason you have a little money in the bank, and the reason you have a retirement plan is you got it legitimately. Don't set your heart on those funds. David says it's not the lack of money, it's the trust of money that ruins your golden years. For help in learning to trust, pick up the latest study from BibleMinute.org. Bible studies each day at BibleMinute.org. announcements in two weeks uh, John Eldridge and his wife Stacy are going to be my guest and uh, encourage you to uh, listen to that uh, that is uh, when I'm uh, going to be heading back to uh, Nashville Tennessee to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention and uh, really looking forward to this it, uh, it potentially has um, you know open an opportunity for me to uh, meet lots of different station owners and, and network uh, managers and, and hopefully to get this program uh, aired on, uh, you know, hundreds of stations across the country. Hmm. And uh, Delta Life Management, they are the group that I'm uh, – actually, they're helping me. They're kind of – it's kind of like a coaching thing, mentoring thing, uh, helping me lose weight and get control of the way in which I eat and, and kind of bring some discipline into my life in regards to food and exercise and uh, they have offered to donate $100 to uh, this ministry for the first 10 people that sign up uh, for their program. And uh, if you're interested in, you know, re-looking re at the way in which you see food. Uh, you know, I always thought that if I only ate one meal a day, then I was being good. Uh, but in reality, uh, what that does is it tells your body that it's starving. And so when it does get food, it just takes a little portion of it, uses it for energy. That's why you don't have much energy. And it takes the rest of it and it stores it as fat. So the, the key to getting your metabolism going is to eat multiple meals a day 
of the proper Amen. kinds of food. And what that does is it gets your body going. It gets your metabolism moving, and you begin to burn off the food that you eat rather than it just storing it as fat. Well, that is one of the things that I've learned uh, through this program. And uh, each day they uh, check in on, with, on me and see how I'm doing, and, and they've got seven kind of rules to follow. Uh, and to be honest with you, I've lost 12 pounds in uh, three weeks, and I've lost four and a half inches, about four inches around my waist. And I'm starting to look pretty good. So uh, if you are interested, Heidi, you think that's funny. You always look good. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm very <laughs> suave and, and debonair. Um, if, uh, if you are interested in uh, not only, you know, uh, getting in control this part of your life, I would encourage you to uh, go to DeltaLifeManagement.com. And uh, like I said, they uh, have been kind enough to donate $100 of the cost um, for you to join uh, back to this ministry uh, to help pay for my trip back to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. Again, that's Delta Life Management. Uh, we're going to get back to the phones here in just a moment. Is there anything I left out, guys, you know, as we move forward? Is there something so, hanging that we haven't talked about? I take, it, I take it, Leaf. You don't necessarily agree with promoting a Christian nation, but you don't have a problem with Christian dieting. <laughs> I didn't say it was Christian dieting. Did you hear me say Christian uh -huh, dieting? Uh -huh, I never said right. one word about it being is dieting. It, is it for Jesus or is it for yourself or what? I'm, I'm doing this because I love my family mm -hmm. and it's unfair to my wife and my kids for me not to be healthy and die early or not have energy and not to feel good. Very Christian. Um, but it is also, I believe, uh, it's reflective of my relationship with Christ as well. Exactly. Yeah, it can. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. Actually, I got the other problem. I'm actually trying to gain weight. So keep on praying for me. Okay. And I could care less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you. you That's very clear. You will. You will. <laughs> when it takes. The a half fat is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Yeah. <laughs> You'll care when it takes you half an hour to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The phone numbers are one eight hundred nine five five eighty two hundred. Hey guys, Saturday night is your night. Okay. This this show. Uh, is called the Sons of Adam for a reason. And uh, we want to talk about issues that relate to men. And we are called to be the heads of our home, to lead our homes, uh, to lead our families, uh, to, uh, to take the gospel and, you know, not only to implement that in our, in our lives insofar as it relates to our friends and our church and our homes, but to take it into the community as well. And uh, I want to hear from you. How do you incorporate your faith into the way in which you vote and how you see politics and and what is your hope for this country and the world do you believe that it is your responsibility our responsibility as a church to establish a christian nation to take it back to what what we once were um or do we just kind of let it go you know we just let it go now we do our best in the in the meantime you know we we do what we can but believing that and I don't, I don't know if it's a fatalistic view. I don't think I'm fatalistic. I, I fully, no, I don't think so. I fully believe in the power of God and the sovereignty of God to raise up kings and take down kings. Yeah, amen. All right, he is the king and kings of Lord of Lords. Mm -hmm. He raises them up, takes them down. But what you are proposing, Chris, I don't see. And I don't think we've ever seen it well, on, on, a, on a continuous basis. Okay. It's been little fragments of moments in time for specific reasons and purposes. Now, think of it this way, okay? What, what did the 
disciples, what did the folks at the foot of the cross see? What did they see? Yeah, with their eyes. What did they see? They saw Christ crucified. Right. And did that instill a bunch of hope in them? Absolutely. No, <laughs> not at all. It wasn't until his resurrection. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly the point when it comes to politics, culture. In order for our political system to be saved, it needs to die. And it needs to die the death of the gospel. Unless we die, we're not going to live again. We're not going to be raised to new life. The politics, that includes politics, that includes economic. I mean, everything under heaven needs to die in order to, be, to live again, as Christ died and rose again. Yeah, to die to self, to die to old beliefs, to old patterns, old habits, old you know right. ways of thinking. Yeah. yeah, we die to those, and we put our faith and trust in Christ and yeah. move forward in life. Right. I, I and there really that. is resurrection. I agree and with that. when the apostles saw the resurrection, what did that instill in them? Hope. Yeah. It's like, great. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the gospel really does work. But, I mean, you're, 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 a, you're a strong Calvinist. Uh-huh. You're yeah. very reformed. Very reformed. Okay. And, uh, uh, you know, the elect are the only ones that are going to get saved. And that's usually a pretty small remnant. At least it's been uh, historically. Well, it's been a small remnant of the world's population that have been believers, whether it's you know, all the way back to Nebuchadnezzar, okay? Mm-hmm. You want to go back to him and Nineveh and, and uh, the Old Testament to present day. So I don't see how, you know, if it hasn't happened for the last 5,000 years, this establishment of God's kingdom here on earth, what makes you think, so, think it's going to happen now? If it hasn't happened in the last 2,000 years since Christ came and rose and gave people hope, you would have think that if at any time it would have happened, it would have happened immediately after his resurrection when there was the most fervor and excitement and firsthand belief and, and also the power that went out with the apostles with signs and wonders and everything else, you would have thought that that would have been the time. And what happened? They were all killed. A lot of them were, yeah. But it still went out. It, sure, blood, did. The, it sure did. A remnant. There's always right. been a remnant. But not the majority, not the masses. Right. I don't think the church... I but don't if think we're going to establish... The, God's kingdom here on earth, it has to be the masses. Well, and it will be. And I think that's what Colossians 1, 17 and 18 teaches. Paul says, And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, all things, mm-hmm. he may have the preeminence. Absolutely. The right. first place. Yes. That includes numbers of people that are saved. Yep. He will. He there will be place. more people eventually. See, in I don't heaven. think that. I don't think that's necessarily speaking numerically. In all things, it has to be. No, it means first place. It's not, he has preeminence. If Christ doesn't win numerically, he highest, then he doesn't have preeminence. That's, that's not the true. Point. No, I don't. That's what Paul's I don't, saying. I don't think that because Christ cares about numbers, he cares about population statistics. I mean, that's all part of his kingdom work. He's not a megachurch, you know. He. No, his is. His is a megachurch. And Jesus is the only one that can have a megachurch to make it work, you know? <laughs> All right, let's get back to the phones. To uh, Who do we have here? Bernice calling from Seattle, Washington. You're on the air. Yes, I uh, wanted to make a comment in reference to um, what goes first. Should the gospel go first? A, a politics, I think it was. I'm not sure. But I wanted to say that um, I'm finding now that... Um, we seem to be shifting or adding to or taking away from what the Lord has really said in his word. 
And he said for us to, uh, he commissioned us to go and give the gospel. Now, without the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is no permanent change can come. Now, we can go through a season of pretending or being hypocrites, but no real change will come apart from our Lord Jesus Christ. And given the gospel and those who receive Jesus as their Savior, then they are created a new creation. And that's how the change comes. It's not within man any more than we are to give the gospel and Christ, and, uh, and then God does the work. He mm-hmm. changes us. And without a person being changed, a new creation, a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new spirit, a new ownership, no change can come. So you can see the further we get away from the word of the Lord and adding all these other things ahead, we are not doing nothing but driving ourselves further into chaos and into, really, it, it sounds cruel, but to ignorance as to what the Spirit is saying to us through the Word of the Lord. So what I wanted to say that... You've got about 30 gospel, seconds left. Without the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is no change can come, whether it's nations, individual groups, or church. So I would, my say would be, would give the gospel and pray that yep. we will be changed. I appreciate your call, Bernice. Thank you very much. That leaves an open line at 1-800-955-8200. Again, toll-free, 1-800-955-8200. we got about uh, 15 minutes left in the program, so if you have a comment or question, it would be a good time to give me a call. We'll be right back. Today, most people are more likely to get a pay cut than a cost of living raise. But I have good news for you. You can build your own golden parachute. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby, and I think you'll find that the three-step plan home business system is a great solution to money worries. With a three-step plan home business, you can add to your income in your spare time. Many build their businesses into a full-time income that earns more than a regular job. That's a pretty good financial backup plan, don't you think? After all these years of hearing about us, you know that we have helped a lot of people earn extra money. We could help you, too. The three-step plan home business system is better than a parachute because we'll never leave you out there hanging. We'll train you and show you how to use the telephone and email to make money from home. Don't just worry about money. Do something about it. Go to 3stepplan.com or call 800-895-6545. 800-895-6545. Later, much later, we heard something. We didn't breathe for listening. Then footsteps on the back porch, creeping, then more confident. After all, nobody was home. A hand closed on the knob on the screen door to the kitchen and found it latched. We heard a little sawing sound as a file began to slice through the screen wire. Grandma reached down for something in her sewing basket. Through the darkness, I managed to notice Grandma's rocker was rocking and she wasn't in it. She was standing over me. Keep just behind me, she whispered. I followed her across the room into the kitchen. Now we were by the door and I heard the scuffle of heavy feet in there on the crinkly linoleum. Grandma turned back to me. Under my nose, she struck a wooden match with her thumbnail. She touched the match to something in her other hand. It sizzled. Then she leaned down and rolled it into the invisible kitchen. Explore new worlds. 
Find out what happens next by reading the book A Long Way from Chicago by Richard Peck. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Uh, welcome back. You know, we do this every uh, Saturday night. Program's called The Sons of Adam, if you're just tuning in. And uh, Saturday, we kind of like to focus in on uh, issues for men and, and get men to call in. Uh, whereas Sunday evening, my wife joins me in studio. And to be, you know, to be totally honest with you, I don't think there's a talk show host out there anywhere that allows his wife to come on air and talk about the issues that my wife and I do. I mean, I kind of lay it right out there, and, and she holds nothing back, and all my dirty laundry is exposed. And, and I do that for a very specific reason, because I want men to hear both sides. I want them to hear the wife's side, and I want them to hear the husband's side. And uh, uh, I just encourage you to join Sunday nights as well, 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific time, uh, when my wife joins me in studio. And it's, uh, it, it's challenging. Uh, it's challenging. It's hard uh, because, you know, I have to live with this woman. And if I say something stupid or mean or, or you know, what usually happens is we get in a fight the day of the show for some reason over something, you know, and then we've got to make up before we come on the air. Or there's actually been times when we haven't and we've carried our, our fight right onto the show. <laughs> and we've talked about it, you know, live on the air. Wow. Of something I've said or done or something that she said or did and or or an assumption that we had that that wasn't fulfilled or, you know, and uh, it, it can be uh, it can be very interesting. <laughs> the phone number is one eight hundred nine five five eighty two hundred. If you have a uh, question, you probably should call now. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to get you on uh, as we just have about eight to ten minutes left in the show. So uh, if, if you have something you want to ask or if you have something you would like to say. Uh, call in now. And again, the phone number is 800-1-800-955-8200. Gentlemen, I want to thank you guys for coming in tonight. We're not, you know, closing up right now, but uh, uh, let's just take a few moments and I want each of you guys to kind of bring this home. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want, I want you to, to land the plane, make it real practical. Uh, Where does the rubber meet the road? You know, uh, so what? What difference? So you're a two kingdom guy and you're a dominion guy. What difference does that make in the way in which we live? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Who wants to go first? Go All right. Yeah, cool. Well, the reason why I think it's important to have the two kingdom theology is we want to keep the purity of the church and we don't want to waste time. And I think the one kingdom model uh, ultimately can bring the world into the church because you end up inevitably having the wedding of the state and the church. And also um, you bring in the podium to the pulpit. So it wastes time. And we spend all of our energy and all our efforts, or a lot of our efforts, a lot of our energy, on things really that are not going to survive to the new heavens and new earth. Mm-hmm. What's going to survive the final day of judgment is souls that have been saved. And my friend Chris referred to a lot in the debate and in this broadcast, we need to save economics, the government. Christ died for persons. He didn't die for a government or an institution of man somewhere. He died for individual sinners. 
Uh, Jonathan, you said something a moment ago that uh, I think, um, in particular, given where you're from, mm-hmm. England, uh, I've watched the show The Tudors, okay, right. and you have Henry VIII. Right. Uh, and the transition from moving from Catholicism to him becoming the really the head of the church. Right. In yeah. the Church of England. Mm-hmm. You had a theocracy mm-hmm. where he was, you know, a Christian. Oh, yeah, totally Christian. Okay, he was a Christian <laughs> um, and tried to institute Christianity to his kingdom. Mm-hmm. How did that work out? Not too good, <laughs> as, as history records. And, um, you think it, it would have worked out differently if he truly was a Christian? But it yeah. did help the Reformation in England. Which oh, was I'm good. not saying there aren't Very good. good things that come from. God takes <laughs> I mean, all situations Cranmer, and works Latimer, out for his They glory. had it pretty good under King Henry. Yeah. <laughs> so we can appeal to history and we, we can look to these examples. And we see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mainly the bad and the ugly. But we do see a few good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we need to do, and that's what we did in the debate this afternoon, is let's go to Scripture. In particular, New Testament Scripture. And how's it, how does it tell us to conduct our lives as New Covenant believers? And what does it say about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man? And, you know, bring it home, as you said. But you vote. Do you vote? Well, are you, are you actually, an American citizen? I'm going to be in a couple of months. <laughs> so are you going to vote? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll vote. Yeah, I'll vote. Yeah. Uh, uh, would you vote for, let's say there's, uh, in, in Florida, they, they do a referendum to... Uh, I can vote on a to, local level, by the way. To make uh, yeah. gay marriage legal. Mm-hmm. What would you vote in that? Would I vote in that? Um, yeah, we did a whole show when I did the uh, Now and Mine back in California on Proposition 8 because obviously that was a big thing at the time. And uh, I said, you know, there's some Christians who voted yeah and some have voted nay. And I said, you know, that I would vote. What's the difference between yet and nay? Yeah, nay. <laughs> yeah, nay. Yeah, nay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I must be getting tired. Even my my English is uh, <laughs> really kind of... Your English should be perfect right. since you're from England. <laughs> That's right. right. I'm really getting That's informal now. Think. I'm getting too, too relaxed, too relaxed. <laughs> but um, obviously, personally, I would vote for the definition, definition of marriage, which is a man and a woman. Huh? So I would lean towards the proposition it stands. But what I don't appreciate is Uh-oh. we make that... The beginning and end all mm. of yeah. the uh, the spiritual health of our society. Yeah, that's right. not where it's at. It's in the gospel, and yeah. it's about people being saved. Chris, right? Um, well, your show is about manliness. I just want to say, postmillennialism is the most manly doctrine <laughs> imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you want to. There about. is no more manly doctrine <laughs> yeah. than men. Put on your jock strap, get out there, and start changing the world because you love Jesus and because Jesus is king. All right? I'm That's down with first. that. Good. I'm Good. Totally I think cool Jonathan's down with that, too. Yeah, I just yeah, think yeah. he's, I, I'm he's totally holding back. I'm totally down with that. I yeah. just don't, uh, I don't You guys I don't need to come it. out of the closet. I don't see it. Uh, <laughs> 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 closet post-millennial. I see it happening okay. on, on it just individual not basis. Effective. I see it happen on an individual basis. Well, I do too. I think it's it certainly starts there. possible to happen in a, in a community but or in a church. We don't want to be individualists. Absolutely. And that's the problem. In Absolutely. modern American evangelicalism, we're a bunch of individualists. individualists. Yep. So we think the gospel begins and ends with me and my salvation, my own personal salvation with Jesus. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't end there. Jesus said, go and disciple, not individuals necessarily. I mean, obviously, a nation has individuals within <laughs> it, mm-hmm. 
but go and disciple the nations. That yeah. is a geopolitical and I entity. Would say, with I would say all the peoples of the world. Yeah, we're yeah. to go and evangelize them all. It doesn't mean they're all going to be saved, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean all the nations are going to be saved. Perhaps they will as nations. I think by and large, you know, there's going to be salvation, not damnation. I'm hopeful about the effects of the gospel. More people will end up saved than not. Now, bring this down to a practical level, you know, as men, how do we bring this about? Well, we do it by being good husbands. Mm -hmm. You do it by loving your wife and your kids and training them and teaching them, educating them, pulling them out of the public school system where they're not being trained how to do that and teaching them how to love God, love Jesus, and take over the world, especially your but boys. Take boys, over the world? I don't get that. Take I, over the world? Boys. See, I see, you're, you're inconsistent. You're talking about men going out into the community, but then you want to isolate, take your kids out of their community, out of public schools. Yeah. If there's any place they should be, it should be in their public schools, bringing the man. light of the world. Right. Well, you train your boys to be men from right. a young age. Exactly. And so they should be going You don't into send their your school. five-year-olds off to war. Well, yeah, you do you if know. everyone else you just don't, has You don't a strap little... them up with a little machine gun and say, hey, go yeah. fight the commies, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you know, you train I, them up. I think you like a little bit of both sides there, Christopher. You train them up in the fear and instruction of the Lord, like yeah. Paul says, right? And, they and when they're school? ready, when they're mature enough, then you send them out into the world to fight the dragons, yeah. to kill no, the dragons. I, I, I would agree with you. I mean, we've homeschooled all of our kids. We've sent them to private school, and some of them have gone to public school. So we've got a mixture mm-hmm. of all. Mm-hmm. But so, fundamentally— and I think you would agree with this. It's really down to the parents. Christian school, private education, homeschooling. As long as the parents are doing their job uh, of, of uh, raising their children in the free and admonition of mm-hmm. the Lord, then I don't think we need to have a hard-nosed stance on any of those. Yeah. Well, it needs to be Christian education. Vehicles of education. That's the point. Um, well, yeah, but uh, I believe they get their Christian education from, from home. home. Right. You know, I don't think there's a Christian well, way to add two plus two. Right, well, it's just well, maybe in some philosophical, epistemological sense, but we're talk, <laughs> talking natural law here, natural law. Yeah. Well, natural law is so grounded I, I in just, God's. You know, I, I love, I love when my son, being. when Sven comes to me, he goes to public school, and he comes to me and he says, "Hey, my teacher said this. What do you think of that?" And I'm able to sit down with him and you know maybe give him a, something to read or give him an argument. And completely he re-educate him he goes, from what he was taught. No, he goes back to school <laughs> and he defends his faith. He defends so, his faith. So really, it's like you're an apologist having to re-educate these little vipers and diapers who get brought up in the public school system <laughs> yeah. and taught a bunch of crud. Yeah, but again— But like, that's not education. I mean, education should be you teaching your kids— about Jesus, first and foremost, and then how Jesus applies to all of life, including mathematics. And actually, yeah, there is a Christian approach to mathematics. I mean, there's right. Christian scholars who've written on that. <laughs> but, but again, but that's fine. <laughs> they can do that. Well, you can't. You know, here, here's the point. You can't have mathematics without a triune God, yeah. basically. Wait, nobody, would, that, nobody would argue that in the ultimate epistemological sense. Right. Yeah. Nobody would. But. Now, in the school system, you go down to your public school system, the local one here, are they teaching... Triune God is the basis for mathematics? No. No, obviously not. So that's why but I'm they saying. they can still build bridges. And yeah, I can still drive kind of across them. You can build bridges without sending your kids to the public school. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me whether a guy. Anyway, my, his, my yeah. point is simply this. That we're to be raising up our kids to love Jesus. Sure. And to know God in every area of life and to be 
bringing that out into the world. They aren't saved as in they aren't saved just as individuals. Agreed they are individuals, and their individuality is saved, but it's not saved for themselves. It's saved so that they can go out and disciple the nations. Indeed, gentlemen, thank you for joining me tonight. Uh, I've been, uh, enjoyed the conversation. Uh, make sure and tune in tomorrow night, 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific time, right here on this very same station. You have been listening to Sons of Adam. God bless. We'll see you next week. preceding program was sponsored by Second Adam Ministries and the opinions expressed were not necessarily those of the staff, management, or advertisers of this station.